Shalom, this is Avigal Rock. Welcome to TanakhStudy.com. In today's class, we really reach the peak of suspense in the stories of Yosef and his brothers. Last class ended with Yosef telling the man in charge of his house to frame Binyamin. We had suggested different ideas as what is the purpose of having Binyamin framed. Uh, we gave two explanations last class. One is to see if the brothers indeed are changed people. Will the brothers protect Binyamin? Will the or will the brothers see this as an easy opportunity to get rid of Binyamin, the beloved child of Yaakov? That was one possibility. The other possibility that we suggested, based on Rav Yol Binun, is that Yosef's plan is not to test the brothers, but Yosef really plans on keeping Binyamin with him. That was the entire purpose of Yosef when telling the brothers to bring down Binyamin was so that eventually Benjamin could stay with him where he feels confident that he would able to, to be that he would be able to protect Benjamin from the brothers lest Benjamin get uh, sold one day or who knows what by the brothers therefore Yosef wants uh, therefore Yosef plans on framing Benjamin in order to have a good excuse to keep him with him and what strengthened that idea that Yosef really has no intention of revealing himself to his brothers is the fact that he tells the person in charge of that he tells the person in charge to load up the brothers with as much produce as possible to return their money now had yosef planned all along to introduce himself to his brothers he doesn't need to have them loaded up as much as possible because he's going to be sending up chariots to bring down his father they could load up the chariots and and not to mention their brothers are going to move down to him is the plan so why does he need to load up the donkeys as much as possible let them just uh, load up the donkeys as usual why as much as possible as much as they could possibly carry this leads to the conclusion that this is a one way that Yosef really sees this as a one-way trip back for the brothers he does not wish to see them again and that's uh that's how we ended off last class with the him frame, planting the gavia in the sack of Binyamin while all along the brothers are drunk at the time so they would not notice what's happening or they won't be able to vouch for Binyamin's innocence let's go to chapter 44 Verse 3, as the brothers are on their way out of the city, came morning, and the men were sent, them and their donkeys. Verse 4, They didn't get far from the city, and Yosef had told the man who's in charge of the house, Go chase after the men, and when you reach up to them, you should say, Why did you pay with evil in turn for my kindness? For this is what that my master drinks from, and it is used for him for divination, and you have done evil by this act. Up until now is the quote of what Yosef tells his the person in charge of the house to tell the brothers. Verse 6, the man recatches up with the brothers, he quotes what Yosef had told him to say, and they respond in verse 7. And the brothers responded, says, why would you say to us these words? 
it is far from us, your servants, to do such a thing. And in the argument for their defense, they say, This is what we call a kal vachomer, when you learn from a lesser case towards a more severe case. Money that we had found in our sacks, we had brought all the way from Canaan. And that was money that you didn't even know of. So that which you didn't even know of, that we had returned to you from a far away from our, from our homeland, and it's possibly that you would never have found out that that money was gone. So you think we would have stolen from the house of our master, of your master, silver or gold? From their that last end of the sentence, we see that they don't even know what is it that they have stolen. What are they, what is it that they're being accused of? All the messenger had said, it is that which our master drinks from. But they don't know what what is this? What is this that our master drinks from? Is it a gold? Is it silver? They really have no clue. And then verse nine, they uh, they in order to since they are so confident in their innocence, therefore they say, he who you will find that which has stolen, he who you will find the stolen goods, he will die, and us too will be our master's servants. So they're accepting upon themselves quite a severe punishment because they are so convinced they are not guilty. Verse 10, the man responds to the brothers, Vayomer, Gam ata kedivrechem kenhu, asher yimatze ito yihye li aved, ve'atem tiyu nikiim. The man responds, Indeed it is as you had said, him who will find the stolen goods with him, he will be my slave, and the rest of you will be free to go. Now this verse is a very complicated, is a bit of a difficult verse, because the, the punishment that the brothers had suggested is, he who you will find the stolen goods of your servants will die, and the rest of the group will be, your, will be slaves to our master. And messenger says, It is as you had said... But he doesn't. But then he changes the terms. He says, "As you had said, he who will find the the stolen goods will be my will be my slave, and everyone else is free to go." So what does it mean? As you had said, and uh, the way to explain this is the master saying, "True, it is as you had said that when there's a group of people and one of them had one of them had committed an offense, the entire group is guilty." So gama true, the law is as you had said that the entire group has to pay. However. I will, um, I'm going to treat you beyond the letter of the law. So it is, even, the way we have to understand the first part of the verses, even though the law is as you had said, nonetheless, we, I will treat you differently. Uh, another possibility of ex explaining this verse, suggested by Shadal, Gam Ata, now, this time too, you, this time too, you are arguing that you are people of truth, that you are trustworthy people, just like you had argued earlier, therefore I'm not going to punish everyone, indicated by the fact that you returned the, the money to, to Yosef, therefore I'm not going to punish all of you. According to your words, I will only punish he who had stolen, because I trust that everyone else are trustworthy people. 
and, and this is actually the second time that there is the law and there's beyond the letter of the law. There's the law that makes sense, and there's Yosef who behaves beyond the, beyond the letter of the law. There's there's the there's the severe cold law, and there is the compassionate Yosef who rules differently. We saw that when in the beginning of Parashat Miketz, when Yosef says nine of you will be arrested, one's going to go up because that's really practically what makes sense. And nonetheless, three days later, he changes it and says, since I'm a God-fearing person, I'm a moral person, I will change and I will only keep one and the nine of you will go up so that you can bring enough food. Here too, Yosef says, I should really, all of you really should be arrested, as you said. All of you should be avadim. However, all of you should be avadim, and he who had stolen should die. And the reason he needs to die, even though, even though the penalty for stealing is generally not death, however, when you steal from the palace, then it's much more severe punishment. So there are two accounts in which Yosef is more compassionate. Number one, he says, I'm not going to punish the entire group, only he who had committed the offense. Number two, the punishment should be death, but I will make it into a lesser punishment. I will make it only into a punishment of, of slavery. So in both accounts, the Mishneh Melech Yosef shows exceptional compassion, lifnim mishirat adin, beyond the letter of the law towards the brothers, both uh, in the beginning of Parashat Miketz and in this case, and this compassion and lifnim mishirat hadin that is demonstrated towards the brothers brings about a strong sense of guilt. Here, this master of the land in Egypt is compassionate towards strangers, whereas we were, did not even show the least bit of compassion towards our own brother flesh and blood. The story continues, verse 11. They quickly rushed to take down their sacks. They want to get over with this as quickly as possible. They open each each of the men open up his sack. He searches the the messenger searches beginning from the eldest, purposely to add to the drama, to add to the suspense. He ends with the youngest, and behold, the goblet binyamin. The goblet is found in the sack of Binyamin. And now let's see how are the brothers going to how are the brothers going to respond upon seeing this. They tear their clothing and they each resaddle their donkeys and return to the city. What is the meaning of their tearing of their clothing? The tearing of the clothing is is mourning. They are mourning. They are mourning for what's going to happen to them when they come home. They've already seen Yaakov once before when he had when he was told that his beloved son is gone. Now they 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 already are imagining this scene again. Notice that the brothers here, the all the brothers tear their clothing. The brothers who had torn Yosef's ketonet are now tearing their clothing. This is the continuation of the process of tshuva that the brothers are undergoing. We'll see it is clear in their minds that this story is connected somehow as a punishment to the story of Yosef because they're put in the exact same situation where once again they're going to have to come back home and tell Yaakov what had happened, that his beloved son is missing. Yehuda and his brothers come to the house of Yosef, and Yosef is still there, obviously expecting them, and they bow down to him. Here we have Yehuda who is singled out because Yehuda is about to take a separate role than his brothers. He's not just part of the brothers. He's going to be 
taking a separate role independent of the brothers. Vayomer lahem Yosef, Ma ha-maaseh azeh asher asitem, Halo yedaatem ki nachesh yenachesh, Ish asher kamoni. Yosef tells the brothers, What is this deed that you have done? You know that the, that I use this for divination. Now, this could be understood in one of two ways. You know that this is an important goblet to me because this is that which I use for divination. Another way of explaining this, you know I would have figured this out. You know I have sources of divination, and I could have easily figured this figured out. Who is it that had stolen? So how foolish this is of you to had... To, to steal from the house of the palace. Which, when we, which brings now to another theory as to what was the purpose of Yosef planting the gavia in the sack of Binyamin. One possibility that, has, that crosses the mind and suggested by the Midrash, the reason Yosef is viewed as an outsider in the family and is resented by the brothers is not only because of the dreams, but rather it is connected to Rachel stealing the Trafim of Lavan. And when Rachel steals the Trafim of Lavan, the Ibn Ezra there mentions a very short comment, but an important comment. One of the later manuscripts of Ibn Ezra's Perush, and Ibn Ezra wrote his Perush uh, several times, and in different manuscripts, there's different variations, but in one of the last ones that he had written, when he was in England, he writes regarding uh, Rachel and the Trafim. He actually writes this in Parashat Vayishlach. When Yaakov tells his family, remove the Avodah Zarah, I'd like to quote Ibn Ezra, Rachel had stolen the Trafim that belonged to her father because they were all raised on the philosophy of Avodah Zarah of their father. This Ibn Ezra doesn't appear in the standard editions, but it appears, this Ibn Ezra appears in the edition of Aketer of Barilan University. Things that the Ibn Ezra could not write when he was in, in Spain or in France, he does feel he has the liberty to write when he arrives to, in England at the end of his, uh, towards the end of his life. So, back to Yosef. It is possible that the brothers... Uh, reject Yosef because the mother is accused as she who had taken the artifacts of divination, the Trafim, and that's why they try to get rid of Yosef. And here, Yosef is trying to frame Binyamin in the exact same thing that in the Michush, which is divination, in that which his mother was accused to see how will they respond to that. So after Yosef um, rebukes the brothers. Yehuda, in, in verse 16, says, Vayomer Yehuda, Manomar la'adoni, Manedaber u'manitztadak, Ha'elohim matza et avon avadecha. Hinenu avadim la'adoni, Gam anachnu, Gam asher nimtza ha'gavia biyado. Yehuda replies to Yosef and said, What can we possibly say to our master? What can we say? To justify ourselves, God had found the iniquity of your of your servants. We are art. We are all to be your slaves, us and he who the goblet has been found in his hands. So there are many questions that we should observe in this verse. Number one, do the brothers believe that Yos that Binyamin 
is innocent? Do the brothers think that Benjamin is a thief? It's possible to say that the brothers do believe Benjamin is a thief, but nonetheless, they are willing to put themselves out on the line for Benjamin for the sake of their father, Yaakov, especially Yehuda, who had made a commitment. And therefore, the question of whether or not Benjamin is guilty is is irrelevant because, because Yehuda gave his word to Yaakov. That's one way of looking at it. Uh, there's another way of looking at it, and that is the brothers clearly realize that they have been framed. Why would they realize that they had been framed? Why would they not take this simple answer, which was, look, the goblet has been found in the sack of Binyamin. The simple answer is that Binyamin had stolen this, this goblet. Especially if we add on the level that we suggested earlier, that the Rachel has an inclination to artifacts of divination. What makes the brothers recognize that Benjamin is innocent is a story that we studied early on in Parashat Miketz, which we did not give sufficient explanation to, because I was waiting for to explain it here. If you recall, when the brothers return from Egypt to Canaan the first time, Yosef tells the man to put their, to re return to each their money. And we asked there, what's the purpose of giving them back their money? And the answer we had given then was to, to spook the brothers, to frighten them, to scare them, which indeed they, it achieved that result. But today we learned that there was another purpose, and that is really so the brothers will recognize Benjamin is being framed. When the brothers see find the gob, when the brothers see the goblet in Benjamin's sack, they are reminded of another time where their bags were tampered with and when they see just and, and they reach the conclusion just as their bags were tampered with then it's clear that someone had tampered with Benjamin's bag here and is uh, framing him so the purpose of putting in the money there is to leave some room for doubt in the minds of the brothers so that they do not accuse Binyamin of the theft of the Gavia. And then they offer something very strange. They say, no, we will all be slaves to you. Why do they offer? What it was there to benefit of them all being slaves if Binyamin cannot go back home? Yehuda speaks up because Yehuda is the one that took responsibility for Binyamin. And what Yehuda is saying, I am well, Yehuda is saying he is well aware that this is really not about Benjamin and not about this prince of Egypt. This has to do with a different story. What's happening here with that they once again are put in a position where they have to tell the father that one of them is missing is they are going to have to face once again their actions. They cannot get away from facing their actions. And that's why they say, God has finally found the opportunity to pay back for our behavior. Now, why do they? Why does Yehuda offer that they all be slaves? If they can't bring Benjamin, they rather all stay. They rather all stay in Egypt than go back home and tell Yaakov once again that his beloved son is missing. Second of all, they realize the only way they could protect Benjamin is if they all offer themselves to be slaves. And, uh, and, th and not to mention, if they're all together with, with Benjamin, they could protect Benjamin, and maybe they could even help Benjamin escape somehow, or maybe even later on convince Yosef to, to let, him, let him go. But if they are to 
uh, be freed, then they have no contact anymore with Binyamin. And that's why they say, Hinenu nechal avadim. Both for, and I think both reasons are equally important. They do not want to go home. If they're going to have to go home and tell Yaakov that Binyamin is gone, they'd rather not go back. And here they have an opportunity to protect him. What does Yosef respond to this offer? Vayomer Heaven forbid that I should do such a thing. That would be unjust to punish an, uh, a, one who is not guilty. I wouldn't do such a thing. You all go home. I only want to keep with me the man who has the gavia in his hand. It fits in nicely with what we, with what Yol Binun suggested that he really wants him to go home and leave Binyamin with him. But, and you just go, and you go home, le shalom, to your father. And in these last words of Yosef, when he says, Chalilali me'asodzot, ha'ish asher nimtza ha'gavia piyado, hu yiyeh li'aved ve'atem alu le shalom el'avichem, Yosef says that, heaven forbid that I should take anyone except the person who had stolen the gavia, and you all go back home. This is where the story should have ended from Yosef's perspective. Yosef wants Binyamin to remain with him and the brothers to go, and this should have been the end of the story. Had things worked out the way Yosef had planned, uh, Binyamin would have remained with him, and the brothers would have gone back home. This is how the story ends. This is how this parasha ends. I feel bad that I have to leave you on a cliffhanger until our next class. Uh, we see from the way this parasha is divided up that it ends here on a cliffhanger that Chazal purposely wanted to end parashot. If you go through several of the parashot in Sefer Bereshit, you'll see that Chazal purposely ended on cliffhangers, and that was their way of guaranteeing that people would come to shul next week. So I hope... Uh, we ended on enough of suspense to guarantee that you will come listen next class to Parashat Vayigash Shalom.